Good morning, everyone. It's Melinda Mack with Niatep on the Road. Um, I'm here in Bonn today with a special guest. Um, it's 11.17 a.m., and we're going to get a short introduction to the Institute for Labor, for Labor Market Studies here in Bonn, Germany. And so I'd like to turn it over to our colleague today to describe sort of who he is and what organization he's with. So, yeah, my name is Werner Eichhorst. Um, um, I am working here at the ICA Institute of Labor Economics. Um, this is a small, independent, private research institute based in Bonn, Germany. And we basically do two things. Um, we do proper um, labor market analysis using a lot of uh, quantitative data. This is one of our businesses and the other is uh, to provide um, policy advice um, to governments, um, to think tanks, but also to international organizations and the European Union. So we try to bridge, um, let's say, the divide between academic uh, studies on the one hand and uh, practical applications uh, on the other hand. So, and I think one of the things we describe that as in the US or in New York is data-driven policymaking. So using actual data to decide how you make decisions versus how you feel. And so I, we really appreciate sort of the network of resources you presented today, but also that this is the approach of the Institute. That's right. Um, but of course, um, policy has a different logic. Um, we provide <laughs> the best evidence that we have and the best maybe and, and the best balanced uh, evidence um, that we can present to policy actors. But still then policy makers have to take their responsibilities. They have to decide on trade-offs and maybe the costs and benefits and the distribution of those um, so this cannot be derived easily from data, of course. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Um, so we had one question we wanted to ask you so we could in some ways get on the record, but also share your opinion with our, our listeners and the folks in New York State. Um, around the relationship of youth unemployment in Germany and vocational training, you shared a bit in our session today about the historically low unemployment rate um, for young adults in Germany. And if you juxtapose that with the state of New York or in, New York, in the United States, where it's relatively high in the double mm -hmm. digits, I'd be interested to hear your perspective on why the unemployment rate remains relatively low. So um, one, one long-standing feature of, of Germany is to see uh, low youth unemployment rate. And this has been low even in times when uh, overall unemployment was relatively high uh, in this country. Um, and this has to do with the long-term performance of this um, famous um, dual vocational training system. This is a system that brings young people in early contact with the world of work um, through uh, structured learning um, in a paid employment or apprenticeship relationship with individual firms. But this is not all. Um, there's also um, a more broader vocational schooling going on for um, some days per week, um, while on the other hand they work um, in, in a real setting. Uh, these things last for two or three years, um, then you get a vocational degree and this um, then paves a way typically to a decently paid uh, permanent employment relationship in the, in the private or in the public sector. So I think this is one of the mechanisms that helps bridge um, the gap between schooling uh, and employment in Germany uh, much better than in many other countries in Europe. And I, you touched on briefly as we were wrapping up um, the new minimum wage for apprenticeship occupations, but also this movement to ensure that folks under 18 still mm. in some ways have a youth wage. We just sort of describe that again for folks. Yeah, um, of course, um, this vocational training system uh, relies on the acceptance both by young people, um, but also by employers. Um, and therefore, um, typically um, apprentices have been exempted from the statutory minimum wage. 
uh, it would not be sustainable for, from an employer point of view to have a full-time uh, minimum wage paid to young people that undergo some training. And on the other hand, um, young people see, let's say, the opportunity um, to upgrade um, their skills and, and to get a decent uh, degree. And the investment comes in terms of uh, only getting a, a part-time wage um, for the first uh, two or three years. So in that way, um, this is sort of, a, I think, a mechanism that provides some sort of cost, but also some uh, uh, apparent benefits um, to both sides um, during this initial period. And later on, of course, um, this um, creates opportunities uh, to get a, a decently paid, um, medium paid, even highly paid job later on after this initial uh, training phase, completely different from, from typical academic studies where you don't get any payment uh, for a couple of years at the oh, beginning. Absolutely. I remember those days well. Yeah, and, and even in, in some settings like in the US, you have to pay some tuition fees. Um, and, More uh, than some. Yeah. I will say, I think uh, the average student loan debt is anywhere between forty and $60,000 So this is um, um, tremendous. So, um, so, for, so for some people who are really interested in getting a decent job um, at a relatively young age, the vocational training uh, system provides um, access to these types of uh, employment. Um, and I, I would still say this is a solid uh, choice that you can make. Um, the vocational training system is under uh, pressure because it has to become more attractive to ambitious young people. So opening up also towards um, at, at least um, academic studies at the bachelor level at, at an early stage so that people are not confined um, to intermediate jobs. I appreciate that. In fact, I wrote down in my notes um, this, this need to really create public policy that aligns the vocational education system and the university system mm. in New York State as well recognizing that the vocational side typically is non-credit, um, mm -hmm. meaning that it does not count towards your associates or baccalaureate degrees. Mm -hmm. And so more alignment that we can create, as you said, that mm -hmm. the two sides are coming yeah. closer together. Yes. And so there's an mm -hmm. opportunity for us to make more attractive pathways for young adults, but also to allow that prestigious um, sort of notation on the degrees from vocation to still exist because they are good jobs or important jobs. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate it sort of that you guys are suffering through some of that same issue. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I think there will uh, still be the need for some sort of uh, institutional innovation over the next few years um, so that the two systems uh, somehow can converge uh, in, a, in a successful and meaningful way. I think that is one of the main challenges for the next maybe decade or so. Well, thank you so much mm. for this. I appreciate You're it. You're welcome. And for, for folks who are going to be listening in today, um, I will be posting links to the IZA. So um, you can download from their newsroom some of the great reports and research. Um, some are more academically oriented for those who want to put on your glasses with a glass of wine and read it by the fireside. Well, you could do that. But for folks who want to have a quick snippet that you could review and share with your members, with your organizations, with your partners, um, they have great resources as well. So thank you so much. And we okay. appreciate it. You're welcome that much.